You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. I remember when he was born, mom just bawled her head. Thank you so much, Jaron. Amen. What a blessing. Uh, all right. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, we, we, we do have junior church, by the way. Well, uh, it could be dismissed for that, but uh, I know. I'll get in trouble, Trey, if I forget that. Uh, yeah, there'll be some lady in the back looking like she's trying to land a plane or something, you know. Um, but anyway, uh, I want to preach out of the book of Galatians this morning, and I want to just to give a few thoughts today on, uh, out of a thought here, there's really a phrase, I want to start with a misunderstood phrase, and I want to preach on the thought about fallen from grace, fallen from grace. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear that phrase, fallen from grace. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a phrase that's really made its way into our modern vernacular. People are familiar with it, fallen from grace, and you know, in, even in the secular world, maybe somebody looks at a person who has fallen from grace, perhaps it was someone who was uh, a successful person, but maybe due to some immorality, they have fallen from their successful position and have maybe been exposed in some way or the other. In, in religious circles, it's usually interpreted to mean one who has basically fallen into sin and as a result of them falling into sin, that their relationship with God has now been severed. And, uh, and that they're no longer a Christian. 
So they, they consider that to be fallen from grace. But now, honestly, this morning, I'm not as much interested in the world's view of the phrase fallen from grace, and, and I'm not as concerned with the religious world's uh, view of what fallen from grace is. I'm more concerned with what the biblical view of fallen from grace is. You say, well, is, is, isn't the religious and the biblical uh, the same thing? How much time do you got? <laughs> How much time do you have? Because it's not. All right? Because what you find with religion is there's a lot of things added through the years. And really, there's a, there's a real irony. Because honestly, most there's, a, there's an irony in the fact that many quote-unquote Christian religions in the world have fallen from grace. Uh, there's another irony, because here's what it is. The book of Galatians is written to a, a church uh, much like ours, but it was, it was started as a new church by the Apostle Paul, but not long after the founding of the church, some people started coming in and began to teach them and said, oh, you know, basically, so it's great that you've accepted Christ by grace through faith. You've trusted in what He did on the cross, but if you're going to keep uh, this relationship with Him, you're going to have to keep the law. That's what they taught. You've got to keep the law. And we're not taught talk much about keeping the law in our circles today, but or in the religious world, if you will. Some do that, but about doing good works. You've got to, uh, you think about it. Any church that teaches, and anyone that teaches that, you first have to be baptized in order to get to heaven. That's fallen from grace because it's adding to the grace of God. It's adding to what Jesus already did. One of the most important things that you can understand and that, that, that we as Christians must communicate to the world is this. We do not have a due religion. True salvation, true Christianity in the truest sense of the word is not a due religion. It's a done religion because every my righteousness my relationship with God today is not based on me it's not based on this church it's not based on my family it's not based on anything that I've ever done it's or anything that I do it's based on something that someone else has already done and that's the time of year that we're coming into, isn't it? As we celebrate Easter. Jesus Christ came to this earth, folks, because the Bible says we were all born into this world as sinners, and because of sin, there is death and condemnation. But here's the thing. God loves us so much that He doesn't want us to have to go through, we're, we're all going to go through physical death, but He doesn't want us to have to experience spiritual death, which is an eternity separated from God in the lake of fire. And so Jesus Christ came to bridge the gap. Sin does make a, a, a canyon, if you will, between us and God. There's no doubt about that. Man tries to build some sort of ladder or way across there that's based on what we do. It doesn't work. But what Jesus did is He built a bridge. We got some builders in the church. It's amazing. You know what Jesus? how Jesus built the bridge? He only needed two pieces of wood and three nails. Built a bridge, amen? In other words, using the, through the cross, through what Jesus, what He did, He went and paid the penalty for our sin. The full price, He paid it in full. He said on the cross, it is finished. Paid in full. 
He paid for our sin. He died there. He died our death. He, he, he experienced our separation that would be ours if we continue in our sin. And he, he died, and, and, and for three days he laid in the grave, but on the third day he rose again and ascended to the Father. And so now what he did in doing all that is he purchased us the gift of salvation. So what we must do, you said, preacher, you said we didn't have to do anything. It's, it's not a, a work that we do, but now what you must simply do is accept what Jesus did by faith. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. In other words, the whole idea of grace is you can't earn it. Somebody says grace, if you just do a little acronym of it, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. But it's everything God offers, but Jesus paid for it. You just must be willing to receive this gift of salvation. You must just be willing to say, you know what, I'm not going to trust in my own works, because that's what we want to do. We want to have something to do with it. We want to earn it. And that's one reason why works, religion, and things like that is so appealing to people. Because what, what this type of the, the fallen from grace mentality, and I'm talking about from a biblical standpoint, it appeals to pride. How many of you know that there are some people that are pretty content to be a part of some church, come sit down on church pews, give a certain amount of money, uh, check off some boxes, and how that they can, they can puff their chest up about how much better they are than other people now. And how they can lift up their noses up in the air at you and anyone else that maybe is not of that particular religion or hasn't done the works that they have done, right? As awful as it is, that does appeal to people. People like feeling like they're better than other people. Uh, so that does appeal, but folks, that's not, that's not biblical Christianity. Uh, you know, I, I, I love the terminology, you know, that if, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've heard this about uh, geese, I don't know if it's true, but I, but, but I think about some people that they have their noses so high up in the air. There are some religious people that have their noses so high up in the air that if it was to rain, they would drown, right? I mean, listen, they, they just, they think they're so much better than people, and the reality is, that is what the Bible is saying in Galatians 5, as we'll see in just a moment, when it speaks about falling from grace. It means you've fallen away from the teaching of grace. Churches, there's people that teach that in order to be saved, that what they specifically taught, the, the false teachers that came into Galatia, they specifically taught that, yes, you can be saved through what Jesus did, but in order to keep it, you've got to do it. You've got to do it. So that is the, the, the teaching that Paul is addressing here. And right before I read the verses, I want to say one more thing. Because really, one thing at the heart of my uh, message today that I was really thinking about was as, as those of you that are saved by God's grace, you know you're saved by God's grace. You know you're kept by God's grace. You're not trusting in your baptism. I believe in baptism. Jesus said we ought to be baptized. Uh, you're, uh, you're, you're not trusting in your church membership. You ought to be a part of a local church. That's, that's a New Testament principle as well. But those you're not trusting in that. But here's the problem. Even sometimes among us that are saved by God's grace, we, we're not trying to stay saved by living through our own power. But for some of us, if we're not careful, we can betray, begin to try to live the Christian life in our own power. And that's also fallen from grace, okay? So, so let me just give you these verses and try to give you a few principles here this morning. 
Galatians chapter number 5, verses 1 through 4, the Bible says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. Ye are fallen from grace. Ye are fallen from grace. So, fallen from grace by no means means to lose your salvation because if you're truly saved by the grace of God, the Bible says you have eternal life. I mean, the big, the big point is that you need to make sure you're saved. Amen. You need to know that you have accepted Christ. You need to know that there's been a time in your life to where you've said, yes, Lord, I want you to come into my heart and my life and be my Savior. Don't just assume it. Don't just say, well, I've believed in God my whole life. You want to know who else has believed in God their whole life? The devil himself. Every, every demonic spirit that, that's ever been has believed in God their whole lives. Every, and listen, you want to know something else about it? The Bible says the devil, the Bible says if you believe in one God, thou doest well. That's wonderful if you believe in God. It really is. But the Bible says the devils also believe and tremble. So I've met a lot of people that believe in God, but I've never seen anybody that believes in God as much as the devil believes in God. Because the devil believes in God to the point to where he trembles. He trembles at the thought of God. And so that's the, the, point, the point that I'm just simply trying to make is believing in God just in and of itself. Listen, believing in God and believing that Jesus did die on the cross and rise again, you say, well, isn't that the whole thing? Yes. But here's the thing. It's like me saying, I believe this water is going to quench my thirst, but I don't take a drink of it. What good does it do me? It's, it's, like say, it's like saying that it's like being offered an antidote. It's like being offered uh, medicine that's going to help you uh, either treat or cure a disease. And it's like you saying, oh, I believe it. I believe if I take that, I, I believe that will make me well. Okay. Well, are you going to take it? Oh, no, no, I'm good. I believed it would make me well my whole life. I always thought if I took this, it would make me well. Okay, well, are you going to take it? You see the point? And that's how people are. And I'm not picking, I'm trying to help you today. Because here's the fact of the matter. Every one of us, I don't know how to put this water down, amen. But every one of us, uh, at some point of our life, there's not a person in here today that at some point in their life didn't fall in the category that I'm talking about today. Because none of us were born Christians. Now, we may, we may use that terminology. You may say that if you were born in a Christian home and, and things like that. But in the true sense of the word, you weren't born a Christian. You must, you must make the decision personally to accept Christ as your Savior, okay? So at some point, every one of us were in the same position to where we either didn't believe in God at all or where we believed in God, Dan, and we thought that we would probably be okay when it came down to it. I always thought my good would outweigh my bad and all that stuff. Believed in God, believed in Jesus, whatever. But, but every one of us have been there. But thank God one day I heard the truth. And I heard that the reason, I believe that Jesus died, went to the cross, rose again. But when I found out that the reason he did it was because I needed him to because I was, I was a sinner. I wasn't okay with God. My good wasn't going to outweigh my bad. Me believing that he did it didn't, didn't make it a part of my life. 
But when I really realized that, wow, Jesus did that for me because church can't do it, because being a good person can't do it, because here's, you know, one of the biggest problems about trying to be a good person, he said there in verse number three, uh, it says this, for I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he's a debtor to the whole law. Now the circumcision here, that was a sign of the Old Testament law. So that's, that, that's the connection here. But what he's saying is, if you try to, if you say that you want to be judged by the law, if you say you want to be judged by your works, here's the problem. You've got to keep it 100%. Keeping it mostly doesn't do the trick. You've got to keep it entirely. How are you doing in that department? You've got to keep it entirely. Not break any law of God. Never sin. Not only never sin again, but you could never, never have sinned in the first place. Because as soon as you've broken the law, you've broken the law. You're a debtor to the whole law. The Bible says, he that, he that offendeth in one point is guilty of all. Is what the Bible says also in the book of James. So that's why it's not through our works, man. If it was through our works, we'd be in a terrible mess. Okay? So the, the, the teaching that teaches that is a teaching that has fallen from grace. Um, this is pretty interesting. The, 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 the phrase, ye are fallen from, ye are fallen from, there in verse number 4, that comes from one Greek word which means to be driven out of one's course. To lose, to become inefficient, or to fail. And so ye have fallen is one Greek word, and that's the meaning of it. It's translated in Romans 9, 6 as hath taken none effect. That is, the word of God hath taken none effect. Isn't that interesting? So he says to fall from grace means that the word of God isn't taking effect in your life. Or, or you're not allowing God's grace to take effect in your life. So this is speaking to a group of people that actually do know Christ as Savior, but God's grace isn't having the effect it's supposed to have in their life. Now, before I move on, I do just want to pause and say that if you don't know Christ today, that is the greatest need you'll ever have. I'm not trying to get you to be a Baptist. I'm not trying to get you baptized. I'm not trying to do any of that. I just want you to know Jesus. I really do. Uh, people think I'm a preacher. I'm not trying to get, uh, I am a preacher, but I'm not, since I'm a preacher, but people think I'm trying to get in their pockets or something. I'm not trying to get in your pockets, amen. Uh, I, I, I used to tease and say, man, I mean, and, 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 you know, man, God, God's been good to us, but I'm just saying, if, going back over my life, that if, uh, that if I was getting, into it, getting in it for the money, man, that wouldn't have been the thing to do. All right. Even though God's been God's been good, the church has been good, and all things. Don't misunderstand me. But through the years, it's not that you get into it for them. I'm not trying to get in your pocket. I just want you to know Christ. I really do. If you do not know Christ as Savior, I want you today to humble yourself before God and say, "Yes, Lord Jesus, I do believe, but none do I believe. I'm also willing to receive Jesus come into my heart and my life. I confess my sin to to you." Come into my heart and my life and save me, if you haven't done that yet. But for those of you that are here that are saved, we need to make sure that we are living in the realm of grace. Because that's what's being said here. It doesn't mean to uh, be the, what we think of fallen from grace. It really carries the idea of living in the realm of grace. 
It's also interpreted. This same phrase is also translated, I should say, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, where, by the word faileth, where the Bible says, Charity never faileth. So to fall from grace, you could say you are failing God's grace in your life. So if you're not saved, God will save you by grace through faith. But if you are saved, He wants you to learn to live in the realm of grace. He wants you to learn to live in the realm of His grace and His power. In other words, if we're depending on ourselves, because as, as Christians, sometimes what we do is we get saved, and there's everybody in here that's saved would say amen to what I said about trusting Christ as Savior. But then we trust Christ as Savior, and then we turn around, and it's like we're trying to live for God by our own works. We're trying to depend on our own flesh and our own energy in order to please God. Let me tell you that what that produces, the Bible says here, and man, I, I'm having a hard time sticking with my notes, but so I may be all over the place. But one of the things that that produces is, number one, when you're trying to live for God in your own energy and your own strength, for one thing, it produces hypocrisy. It produces hypocrisy. Because if you're counting on yourself to be this awesome person, then you've got to kind of be this awesome person. And even if you know good and well that you've got some sin in your life, you've got to try to convince everybody else that you are this awesome Christian. You can't be real. You can't be honest. You can't be transparent. Uh, so it either produces hypocrisy or else it can produce a, uh, just a, a horrible, uh, I got it in here, a hopelessness. That kind of religion either produces hypocrisy or hopelessness, and you see it all around you. Some of you have experienced exactly what I'm saying to you. Either you learn how to be a hypocrite and play the game at church, or you're a sincere person, and pretty soon you just say to yourself, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't, I can't be this Christian person. I can't live this life. So you give up. You're hopeless. Because you think, man, everybody, you look around church and everybody else has it figured out. But you don't. And so you just think, man, I, and so what people do is hopeless. these hopeless people then turn into sin and they just go in just a horrible direction to ruin their lives. That's what self-righteousness produces. That's what it produces when you're not, that's what it produce, churches produce when they're not living by the grace of God and have fallen from the realm of grace. So the grace life, when you live by grace, notice what the Bible says in verses 5 and 6 of this chapter. The Bible says, For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. When you're living by grace, you have hope. Verse 6, for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. When you live by grace, you depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. But when you live under works and the law, you depend on yourself and your own efforts. Now he says there at the very end of verse number 6, but faith which worketh by love. The bottom line is this. It really comes down to motive and it comes down to means. Okay? So as Christians, we are to live a life that's different from maybe those around us. 
There are certain things as Christians and certain ways that we ought to live. But our motive ought to be to please God, and our means is the grace of God. So yes, our lives produce good works, but we're not counting on our good works. What we do is we are faced daily with our shortcomings. If you're trying to live the Christian life, you figure out pretty quick it's hard. And you get reminded on a regular basis of your sinfulness. Is that not right? Anytime you're tempted, anytime that you're, uh, uh, you know, going through something, maybe you're going through a hard time, you're reminded. Anybody ever get frustrated as a Christian? I get frustrated because I can't do it. It's greater than me. And then, then I think about my sinfulness, and I think, man, I'm such an awful person. But here's what the Bible's saying. I'm not supposed to be counting on myself. The life that I live, he says it over here in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, which Ryan preached on Wednesday. Uh, Galatians 2, 20, where he says, oh, yeah, okay, there, there we go. Galatians 2, 20, where the Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And here it is. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Grace. The grace life. In other words, what I'm just simply trying to say is you get saved by grace through faith, and then you live by grace through faith. How are you living the Christian life? It's not because I, if you're living a successful Christian life, it's not because you're such a great person. It's because what God's doing in you. It's, he said, I'm crucified with Christ. It's me daily reminding myself, Lord, I can't do this. But the Bible says I can do all things through Christ. So we live a life, but it's not based on us depending on ourselves. It's based on us depending on the Lord. And what that does then is that takes away hypocrisy. Oh, preacher, you're trying to live a good life. I am by the grace of God, trying to live a life that pleases God. You must think you're something. Oh, no, no. No, man, let me tell you, I don't. Uh, uh, I, you know, I mean, I feel like I'm less than least. I know who I am. That's why I've learned to depend on Him. Because I can't depend on myself. Because I know myself. I'm reminded of myself. You must think you're something. No, I don't. I think Jesus is something. Amen. And, and, and therefore, I don't have to be a hypocrite. I can be honest with you about my struggles. I can be honest with you about my temptations. I can be honest about these things. And I can say that, you know what? Yes, this is me being weak, but when I'm weak, I'm strong. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but, but the life which I now live by the faith, I live by the, by the faith of the Son of God. So the grace life is Jesus living his life through us. Notice quickly, he says the grace life, but then he also talks about the race life, the race that we're in. Galatians 5, verse number 7, the Bible says, Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Uh, he tries to illustrate this life of staying on track with grace as a race. He says, Ye did run well. So what he's trying to teach us there is this. We need to learn to stay in our lanes when it comes to living the Christian life. Stay on track. Don't get, out of, don't get in the wrong lane. Don't lose direction. Paul used these illustrations often. Remember, 
Paul was writing to a people that were familiar with the Olympic Games and other Greek athletic contests. And, and one of the, the main things that you would see in any of these Greek athletic contests or Olympics is racing, running. People running and racing one another. So, so, so they could get it when he says, you were running well. But see, the, the, the running well part means that we've got to stay in our own lanes because when these runners would be put on track, they would be put in a certain lane they had to stay in. You can't be getting out of, out of line. You can't get, be getting in another lane. And I'm afraid that sometimes as God's people, if we're not careful, we can get off course. In other words, here's what the Apostle Paul said. He said in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished, listen to this, I have finished my course. I'm talking about the grace life. It's, he, he compares it to a race, a race life. Why? Because he says, I finished my course. Here's the great thing about living for God. i got to run my race. So as I'm living my life, I might look over at you. Maybe you're ahead. Maybe you're behind. But I'm not really too much worried about that as far as in my life with Christ. Uh, because I just need to stay in my lane. I need to run my course. You know, I, I, I love, I love the, the illustration of the church being fruitful. The Bible says that, talks about the church being fruitful. That means, as we've talked about before, the church ought to be a greenhouse, not a machine shop, right? Anybody, ever, anybody excited about growing season? You'd be more excited if you'd get some rain, right? Uh, but, but excited about maybe planting a garden or planting a crop or whatever it may be. But you do that, and, and, and you cultivate it. And when, when, your, uh, when your garden begins to grow, not all those tomatoes are the same size. Not all those peppers are the same size. They're not always growing at the same rate, are they? In other words, they're just growing. And as God's people, listen, we're not, as a church, this church is not about manufacturing. Anybody worked in machine shop manufacturing? I used to uh, work, work in a, a place, you know, we'd, we'd just punch out parts. It was a, we'd have, have work on a punch press. You know, just get a big old roll of steel, and, and, and the press just comes down, and bang, bang, bang. It's just banging out these metal parts. And every few parts, you, you get a little set of calipers that just measures to the, to the, to just the smallest amount. You, you, you measure, is that, is that within the specs that we're looking for? And if it's not, you've got to stop the machine and, and, and try to set it up again. That's what some churches try to be like. That's how some people view Christianity. You know, just pop, pop, pop. Yep, you got to be look, you look exactly this way. You've got to fit this measurement. If not, you're a reject. Amen. You're going to go in the reject bin. I'm glad God's not that way. See, God's about fruitfulness. Churches, this this church by God's this church by the grace of God is a greenhouse, and through the the grace of God is a greenhouse. What's that mean? You don't come in because one tomato's smaller than the other and throw that tomato out. Or one's bigger than the other, or, or, one's, or, or one's getting ripe and the other one's not getting ripe, or, or, or whatever the, as quickly. One's growing this much, one's growing this much. He compares it to a race, running, staying in the same, run your race. You say, preacher, I think you ought to be doing better. Me too, pray for me, amen. I think you ought to be running faster. But the, the thing is, is if I'm paying attention to my race, I don't have to run your race, and you don't have to run my race. God's got a plan for my life. I need to fulfill that plan by the grace of God. So he compares it to staying in your lane in a race. He also compares it to cooking. To cooking. He says down in verse number 9, 
He says this, chapter 5, verse 9. He says, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Anybody know what leaven is in the Bible? We don't call it leaven. We call it yeast. It's the same thing. Uh, his explanation changes from athletics to cooking. In the Old Testament, leaven is generally pictured as a symbol of evil. During Passover, no yeast or leaven was allowed in the house. Worshippers were not permitted to mingle leaven with sacrifices. Uh, though there were some exceptions to this rule, Jesus said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And you know what he said the leaven of the Pharisees was? I mentioned it already, hypocrisy. What happens, you cooks, when you're trying to make some bread and uh, you want it to get nice and big and fluffy? You, you put a little bit of yeast in there. And Miss Tony, I'm so glad you're back. Um, it's so good to see you. How, how much yeast do you put in? It don't take much, does it? You just put She makes good homemade bread. Some of you other ladies do it too, man. It's, it's amazing that I maintain my figure. I'm going to tell you something. Um, but uh, skipping out on birthday parties helps. Let me tell you that much, okay? But um, I missed my birthday party Wednesday. But anyway, uh, you just put a little leaven in there, just a little bit. You add it. And all of a sudden, this bread's going to get all puffed up and nice, right? Well, see, and it's interesting because that's exactly what the Apostle Paul said. He, he, he warned Christians about getting puffed up. How do you get puffed up? You get puffed up when you begin to add this leaven, this hypocrisy to your life. When you start trying to be something you're not. Hey, we need to be just content with being just a flatbread cracker, amen, or something, right? Just, just be a tortilla. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we, I'm saying we need to be content just to be who we are. But, but what, what we want to do, if we're, if we're not careful, we want to add just a little bit. But here's the thing. In the Old Testament, God said, don't add any leaven to the sacrifices. You can't sacrifice before me and it please me if you're adding that in there. You, you can't have this hypocrisy in your home and then come to the temple and please me. He says, get all of that out. Because you don't need, we, the, the only reason we add leaven is it tries to make us look big and fluffier than the rest of the flat people. Amen. It makes the other flat people feel bad. But in all reality, we're just flat. We're just puffed up with a, bu with a bunch of air and stuff, right? Or however it works. Uh, we're puffed up with stuff, and that, that is the problem with hypocrites. They're just full of a lot of hot air sometimes, aren't they? But they add something because, uh, but here's the thing. By the grace of God, folks, the, the, the point that I'm just simply trying to make is live your life, live the life God's called you to do, and live it by the grace of God. You were saved by grace through faith. Live your life by grace through faith. That doesn't mean we live less of a life, Layla. The Bible says that, 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 we, that, that we, we, there are those in the last days that try to turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. So they would take a message like this and say, Oh yeah, just go keep living in uh, your sinful lifestyle. And boy, that's the grace of God. No, sin is bondage. So it's foolish. That grace doesn't mean living in sin. It means that we're able to do works. It means that we're able to live a life for God, but we do it in His power and not our own. And we can be honest about our growth struggles along the way. We can be honest as we run in our lane about it getting difficult sometimes. By the grace of God. The apostle said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
So if we live in the realm of God's grace, you, you can live a life that is free and rich. You can live a life of fulfillment. God's grace, folks, is sufficient for every demand of life. I've already said this, we are saved by grace. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, we serve by grace. Uh, grace enables us, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, we preached about this a couple weeks ago, my grace is sufficient for you. It's God's grace that helps us to endure suffering. So we're saved by grace, we serve through grace, God's grace brings us through trials. It's God's grace that strengthens us. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.1, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, our God is the God, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5.10, The God of all grace. Grace for whatever you need. We can come to the throne of grace, the Bible says, to find help in the time of need. And the Bible says in Acts 20.32, it calls the Bible the word of His grace. And it calls the Holy Spirit of God in Hebrews 10, 29, the Spirit of grace. So in grace, in Christ, we have all that we need. The Bible says, and we've received grace for grace. See, living for Christ is meant to be freeing, not frustrating. Not frustrating. And by the grace of God, we can live a life for Him. But I'll ask you this morning, and we'll... Uh, I'll stand and have someone come to the piano here uh, shortly, but I wonder today, as a child of God, hey, are you having trouble staying in your lane? Are, are you having to compare yourself to other people? Have you let hypocrisy enter your life? If so, let me tell you something today. Man, let, get, the Bible says purge out the old leaven. Just get it out. Cut it out of your life. Man, listen, we're not here standing before you as someone who's better than them. And by the grace of God, this church isn't a church that's trying to, to, trying to manufacture some sort of Christians. Man, we want to we have a good greenhouse environment, amen, to where people can grow. A healthy environment for people to grow at their own rate and at the rate that God has them to grow. You don't have to be perfect. You just need to be saved, amen, and let God do a work in your heart and your life today. And I want to say, as she begins to play this morning, if you do not know Christ as your Savior, are you depending on your works? Jesus did everything needed in order for you to be saved. He did everything needed. I started talking about that fallen from grace principle because so many people have been influenced by it. Most people I know have been influenced by this idea that you've got to be a part of a church or do works for salvation or something will you understand today that Jesus did it all Jesus did it all and that's good news you say what do I need to do would you do this this morning by faith the Bible says with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation if you don't know Christ as your savior today you can call on him right now from your heart you can receive what he did for you by saying a prayer something like this, Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for going to the cross, dying, paying the price for my sin. And I pray that you will come into my heart and my life, forgive me of my sin, and be my Lord and my Savior. As I've said many times, those words in and of themselves don't, aren't magic. 
But if you can pray a prayer like that from your heart, you can receive the wonderful gift of salvation. Hey, child of God, you need to learn, man. It's not all about how much we try. What we need to learn is it's about Him. You, you know what I've learned to do, by the way, when I get frustrated about my sinfulness? I mean, Jack, when I just, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted and I just get reminded and I, and I get a- angry at myself because I'm like, man, you're so terrible. For that which I'm tempted to do, that which I'm tempted not to do, or that which I actually do or don't do, I start getting real frustrated about it, but then I pause and I say to myself, thank you, Lord, because right now I'm reminded that's who I am. But Lord, I know by your grace, I can live. I know through your power, I can live. I can't do it on my own. And I'm just reminded, what I'm saying is this, I'm reminded that on my own, I can sin and or be a hypocrite about it. But through Christ, I can be honest, I can be real, I can have joy and I can have peace because all my faith and trust is in what Jesus has already accomplished. Child of God, quit being, don't, don't get your, let yourself be frustrated. Run the race that God's put you on. Grow at the rate that God's having you to grow. Lord, we do thank you so much, God, for your grace. I thank you that you're a God that cares about us. Lord, you know our frame. Lord, in the Psalms, it's revealed. You said that you remember that we're dust. You know that you know who we are. And I'm glad because of that, we don't need to pretend. We can be honest about who we are. And find help and grace to live, not through our own power and strength, but Lord, through yours and through yours alone. So I pray, God, that you'll help us with that. If there's anybody here that's not saved, Lord, God, I pray that you'll use the power of your word, the power of the Holy Spirit of God, to draw them to you and to save them today, dear God. And we'll thank you, dear Lord, for all that you do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Hey, I really appreciate you being here this morning. God bless you. Have a great day. Make sure that our guests feel very, very welcome. Amen today. And have a great afternoon.